Welcome, travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. This is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your humble guides along the journey to RPG adventures. We are all D&D role players and storytellers at heart. It's where we started out, and it's where we find ourselves most at home. So here in our main podcast episodes, we discuss the core rules, how to use them as written, and how to homebrew your own content to get the most out of your story. Because detailed settings, heroic characters, vibrant NPCs, and a focus on story over rules is what makes a campaign legendary. Here's a message from friends of the show. Do you love Marvel but are tired of hearing Cheeto-stained white guys talk about it? Are you hoping to see the X-Men and Avengers face off? Do you secretly want to be Jessica Jones or Daisy Johnson? Or do you want to be with Valkyrie? If so, you've found your new favorite podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris. And Madam Amy. And we are here to give you the commentary you want. Marvel. Minus the mansplaining. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and visit us at themarvelousmadams.com. Madams, assemble. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode. Glenn, Liwanika, how are things uh, down south today? They have been brutally cold up here in Maine. I am complaining strenuously about the, the winter in January because that's going to do a fat load of good here. But how are, things, uh, how are things down in Connecticut this evening? We had rain first thing this morning. Uh, we had you. snow for about three hours. Okay. We had sunshine for about an hour and a half. And it was fairly warm during the sunshine and for the immediate half hour or so after the sunshine and then it got dark and it's in the process of getting cold and freezing over yeah that was very explicit but basically yeah we live in new england (laughs) in the course of one day we got three seasons yeah it was awesome you got stuck in just one but you moved to almost canada and that was a choice buddy it's true it's true i I woke up this morning and it was seven below and and that's about where i stopped looking at the temperature because i was already done with today so but (laughs) all that to go ahead and say we have got a really awesome episode. Well, I, I hope it's going to be awesome because if it, if our pre-meeting has been, is any indication of how awesome this episode is going to be, uh, everybody out there is in for a treat. We are joined this evening by Jeff, Kristen, and Star Daddy Stan from the Astronomica podcast. Say hello. Introduce yourselves to the Tabletop Journeys group. Hello. Whoa. Hi. <laughs> Hi. How's it going? So, uh, very well. How are you guys? Down? And you're down in Tennessee, right? Yeah, yes. In, in Memphis. Excellent. In, when you're naughty, Excellent. they put you in the corner. Star Daddy in the corner. <laughs> oh no, no, cool no, he didn't. Tennessee, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. And, uh, and we are us. actually experiencing real winter weather today. Well, that's uh, that, that's 20, the rumor on the street. Yeah, twenty-seven degrees. I mean, this is about as as cold as it gets in Memphis. There was a threat of snow Hiking and everything weather. shut down. That's not true. There wasn't a threat of snow. We had some earlier this week. It's all gone now. 
We had 60 degrees and, during the week. And none of us own sleeves, so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're done here. Good evening, everybody. So I hope you enjoyed the show. No, I'm just teasing. That, 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 that's, uh, <laughs> Memphis is a beautiful city. I have had the privilege of being there before. But, I've driven uh, through it several times. Seven, yeah, exactly. Oh, that reminds yeah. me. I'd like to take this opportunity to say happy birthday to all of your mothers. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's, that's right. That's right. We uh, we realized uh, for the uh, for the tabletop journeys uh, listeners who were not in our pre meeting. Apparently, it is not only Glenn's stepmother's birthday, but it is my brother's birthday also today. So happy birthday so happy to happy the birthday, tabletop Deanna. journey. And Lou Anika did his duty and said happy birthday to both of them in the early meeting. So that's all that to go ahead and say. Really, what we're here to go ahead and talk to uh, talk about tonight is the Astronomica show. So right. for. Our listeners who are criminally unfamiliar with your show, give us the rundown. What is the Astronomica podcast? What uh, what's it? Yeah, we are an actual play, uh, Stars Without Number podcast. Stars Without Number is an OSR game made by Kevin Crawford. It's a science fiction, a hex crawl, open sandbox type game. And that's and the. I mean, that's the pitch. That's the nuts and bolts. The way that we play the game is, uh, gosh, it's a mishmash of a whole bunch of different sci-fi faves. I would say we initially set up to play a sci-fi horror game and ended up having mostly comedy and a lot of very, we're all very stick it to the man kind of people. So a lot of our storylines really revolve around fighting the power and then also finding out um, our actions <laughs> have consequences. Yeah. What? And, uh, Shocking. <laughs> yeah. I'd call us murder hobos with hearts of gold. Yeah. I We try. Not uh, all of us. Not yeah. all of us have hearts. Not all of us have hearts. Some of us are artificial intelligences, but uh, yeah, we, Ooh, we, we, we pack <laughs> we, in the comedy and yeah. then every once in a while we'll hit you with that classic alien style sci-fi body horror. And uh, that's, that's some of the most fun. You're laughing, having, uh, frankly, a lot of dick jokes. And suddenly you're hit with uh, tentacles and eyes and like that. <laughs> so my impression when I listened, and I obviously you have enough episodes out that I have not had time to listen to them all. Um, <laughs> but as I listened, one of the first things that I got flavor-wise that in terms of my impression was, uh, and not completely, but a little bit of a dark matter and firefly cross. Oh, yeah. And dark yeah, matter's got that body horror thing going on. Oh, yeah. And I, that darker side. And then Firefly's got the humor and the stick it to the man. And I'm not saying the tropes are perfect, but like I got that impression from listening. So I agree. I Good got a little a red dwarf kind of feel when I was oh, listening sure. to the our story so far, which yep. for our listeners is a great starting off point. Like I started with that. That's the first thing I listened to. And then I listened to another episode that followed and yeah. I was like, this is fun. What immediately hit me in that was your camaraderie and the fun you were having, yeah. both in your conversation during the in intro and mm -hmm. in the way your characters played off each other. And I, Which uh, is why you gotta throw a little Guardians of the Galaxy in the mix, I missed. I was hoping you could kinda talk to us, like how much of that is just your group, your player group, uh, and your collection of friends playing uh, versus how much is built in with the mechanics of the game. Like, how much are you bringing to this game versus what's with the game? It's amazing that the game allows for it and because not every game really does. Like, you almost have to force some games to have that level of fun and humor. <laughs> I think that uh, that points up uh, one of the differences between an OSR-style game and uh, more of a late-era rules-bound RPG, like Pathfinder being sort of the apotheosis of that, is that in an OSR game, like the expectation is that there won't be a rule for everything. 
that you will have flexible approaches to different problems. And that also uh, feeds back in subconsciously, I think, into the way that you play. It, it creates a more, it gives you more player agency, gives Star Daddy Stan more Star Master agency to steer the course of the ship. There's no whining about, actually, my true strike should have made that big bad evil guy go down. There's more of an improv element to it. And I think that kind of also comes into, you asked how much of it is the game and how much of it is the people at the table. And I think that what the game sort of allows us to do is tap into the camaraderie from playing together, most of us for at least a couple of years, some of us for a decade or more. So we know each other pretty well going into it and already have a vibe for how we play, the kind of characters that we like to have, and the kind of jokes that we just crack when we're having fun. And this game gives you the space for those moments. You could certainly play it a lot less silly if you want it. Mm -hmm. One of the great things about the system is that Stars Without Numbers is a system for the game you want to play. So we're playing the game that we want to play and we're comfortable playing and we have fun at. But if you wanted to play like a hard-nosed sci-fi, very serious, everyone's at the table and is dialed into the horror or dialed into a hard sci-fi thing, you can do that. The system allows you that space. And so they go hand in hand together. And I'd say it's probably an even split uh, between the game itself and the people at the table that allow us to make the kind of show that we're making. Yeah. Awesome. So I want to drill into that just a little bit here. We've already talked about like the, it's an OSR style game and everything like that, but I wanted to go ahead and uh, just for the edification of our listeners, drill into that a little bit here and talk a little bit about how does Stars Without Numbers work and maybe even get into a little bit about why was this the system that you guys picked? Did you pick it because it was so open-ended or was there logic in there or what can you tell us about the game system itself and how it runs and why you picked it? So I have been keeping up with uh, D and a lot of other games for a long time. And I think we were four years into the third edition campaign. And by the end of it, I just absolutely hated, <laughs> hated the system. And I, I developed more of an idea about what I enjoyed about the earlier editions of uh, D&D and started looking into the OSR stuff. And then Stars That Number popped up all over the place. There's like a free version of the rules on uh, DriveThruRPG. And it just looked like everything that I had always been trying to house rule into the games that I was playing. So it's a lot of tools for the game master to procedurally develop content just ahead of the players getting there. Yep. So it's very improvisational, which is a lot of fun to to run. And another thing was that there weren't a lot of other stars that never podcast, so it gave us a leg up. <laughs> yeah. I will say that any game system that has, as a selling point, refined psionic abilities will get me every single time because that's we have mad love for psionics here on this podcast. At least I have mad love for psionics. I won't speak for Glenn and Lee when you go on that one, but oh, absolutely, um, yeah. So, psionics is something that would be fun to play, and we haven't really played a lot into that. That's that's something, and there's a good question that you could ask Stan here in a minute. We can dig into <laughs> is uh, why we don't have any psionics in the game. But another big reason that we chose Stars Without Number for our show is because three of the five of us, so myself, Colin, and Stan, had done an, a previous show, and it was running 5e. It was running D&D 5e. And yep. it was a great learning experience. The chemistry wasn't quite on. The show wasn't quite on. We weren't getting the traction. We weren't having the game and telling the story we were wanting to do. So the three of us talked about it and decided, hey, we've got a better, we've got to come up with a better idea. 
Scars Without Number was a game we'd been playing for fun. And the ability to play anything that you wanted really appealed to us. The fact that, like Stan said, there weren't many podcasts out there. I think there's been a couple other guys who have done a season here or two of it. And, and it's always great, but it's, there's just not that many of them. And then the other thing was we just enjoyed playing it for fun so much that it was like, if we're going to be recording every week for three or four hours, then let's do something that's just so much more fun. And we ended up when we were talking about, hey, we've got we've to talk about ending this other show. And the immediate conversation after that was, if I had it to do over again, it'd be stars without number, 100%. Yeah. That's, always, that's a really interesting lesson because I, I think, and again, I mean, I don't want to speak for my co-hosts here, but definitely when we started this podcast, we talked a lot of Dungeons & Dragons. And we still talk a lot of Dungeons mm-hmm. & Dragons because <laughs> it's really the juggernaut in the industry, right? Um, I think the probably, largest market share, no matter how you slice it. Right, exactly. Yeah, and probably, sure. I would say, six months ago or so, we started getting into non-Wizards of the Coast systems and started talking more about them. We were talking in our pre-show, we have an actual play featuring Powered by the Apocalypse build based on the Faith No More album, The Real mm-hmm. Thing, coming out. In And then over Halloween, we did a, like a three-part alien run-through of, of Aliens by Free League. Bad. We just did an actual play with Against the Dark Master. And so we're, mm-hmm. we're starting to get into all of these systems that are not Dungeons and Dragons. And some of them are like Against the Dark Master is sort of Dungeons and Dragons, but not at all. While you've got Powered by the Apocalypse, which is nothing like it in any way, shape, or form, we tell very collaborative stories. And so it's how do we pull various elements? Where I was going with this is that it sounds like what you got, what you were talking about, Stan, where it's, yeah, this is the game that we're running and I want it to have all these other elements from all these other things. And then eventually found a system that gives you the free form and and everything like that. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I should stress that it's, it is built on the bones of like old first edition and Beck me D and D from back in the day, but it's not super recognizable. (laughs) Like if you know what you're doing, you can convert like an old D and D monster manual into aliens for the campaign, but. Nice. But yeah. Well, I know from my limited experience with Powered by the Apocalypse, some of the things that you were mentioning, we found to be amazingly powerful at the table. Light roleplay heavy. Rules light, just the ability to draw off of each other to like your character has a memory that involved this player. What is that like? And Mm -hmm. have that factor into the story. I would personally was mesmerized by that process and found that some of the elements of the game were, uh, we had scenes that were darn near role-playing perfection kind of thing. And, and those types of things are not mechanically supported by five E. We love the five E actual play games that we do. All of that is great. But some of these other systems, OSR systems, powered by the apocalypse, yeah. against the dark master, the aliens game, there we're finding just what you're describing. That sometimes if you can step outside of the game for a little bit, you're going to have this awesome arsenal of things you can say do and enjoy. Lou and Ika, something that you said just really resonated with me there, and that is talking about the space for really good role playing. And I am one of those weird players who loves character creation. And I've found <laughs> over the years of playing D&D that, especially when I got to 5e, the character creation feels, it feels very limited. It, there's lots of options, but they feel like, it's like those old flip books where you'd have the top, the middle, and the feet of a monster. And yeah, you have the illusion that you're creating your own unique thing, 
but really there's a very prescribed number of variations that you can have. And I think with a lot of these games that have sort of taken D&D and the spirit of tabletop gaming and run with it, one of the things they focus on is giving you the ability to make more interesting, more unique characters Mm -hmm. that the mechanics back up. It's not just flavor. The mechanics allow you to be really unique. And that's another thing that this particular system does. And one of the reasons I love it so much is that no character is ever going to be the same. You are never going to make the same character again. Yeah. I'm like, I'm the background guy. I talk all the time about backgrounds and I've we've talked with uh, other content creators about, finding a way to, to build in dual backgrounds to your character to add that other level of variance. So I'm right. With well, that, uh, and background is actually a core element. Of course, it, it does give you some mechanical differences in 5e, but in Stars Without Number, your background can really shape uh, the way that your character develops. Rather than have like a rogue or a cleric or a prescribed class, you have some backgrounds that have different variations that give you different skills. And then they have the focus system, which any character essentially can take any focus aside from alien only ones and psionic only ones, but you can mix and match. So if you wanted to have a rogue sneak attack and divine power from a cleric, like you could essentially mix and match those, although it's uh, sci-fi. So it's laser blasters. (laughs) Nice. Like anything with background options, I'm generally all in. That's just how I do it. Oh, I like it. That honestly sounds like a lot of fun. Part of the one of the things you said, Kristen, when you were talking about how D&D feels like it's giving a lot of options, but it's not. I, I get 100% what you're saying. It really resonated with me, but it plays right into the rest of this, too. And it's because they did give you a lot of options, but every option D&D gives you is shaped. They're all block shaped. So they only stack and they yes. only stack certain ways. Right. And as we're getting away from those super mechanics heavy as the popular choice of the genre seems to be shifting away from those really mechanics heavy games. And we are heading back to OSR, which we've never actually said. So anybody out there who doesn't know, it stands for (laughs) old school renaissance, which means the games from the late 70s and early 80s, those before the rules became so blocky because they hadn't Mm -hmm. invented them all yet. Or we're reaching forward to the Powered by Apocalypse games because they're also removing a lot of those blocks. They're still giving you mechanics to have fun with, but they're leaving the rest of it with squishy edges so you can fit anything you want together. And that's great. And I think that's really why I'm happy we're split. We're branch, not splitting, but branching out to other games as well from D&D because I've been having so much fun with them. And that's totally. the way I want to go. Yeah, I think someone said that it's the longer the list of skills get, the less space there is off of the list right to imagine mm-hmm. things that you can do i've always said that if you can't if you're if your first level human fighter is boring then your 20th level half dragon assassin is going to be boring right like <laughs> you you have to be able to like you don't need the rules to to tell you everything that you can do you need space to come up with your own stuff well one of the big things that we talk about on our kind of our main episodes on saturdays we do uh, an entire series of things on talking about subclasses and dungeons and dragons right and dnd 5e and we'll go class by class and talk about all the subclasses that we that are in there and we'll kind of we'll rank them together and talk about their pluses and minuses and how they stack up against each other one of the principal things that comes up pretty frequently is 
when you get down to the bottom of that list, just how pigeonholed those little subclasses are. And it's like, to the point of, if I'm not in this environment, this is not going to be any good. Or if I, if we're not playing this kind of game, this character is not going to be any fun, that kind of thing. And or DM or storyteller, then exactly. yeah. I'm never yeah. going to get to use this three quarters of these abilities or powers. Yep, exactly. You know? Right. So a freeing system like this, even if you are, I guess to go ahead and kind of put a bow on this a little bit here, I would say that like for storytellers out there, even if you're playing D and D right, learn from other systems, learn how other systems do it, learn how other systems can mm-hmm. expand your table and expand your, your one of the, the things that we've done. And I've been a big proponent of this since our Patreon AP started a few months ago, but this collaborative world building, it's a concept mm-hmm. I stole from the burning wheel and from powered by the apocalypse, but it's basically the, I, as the storyteller, am not the only one that has the keys to the castle. I'm going to share them with my players and let them tell me some aspect of the world that we're in or some, or something that happened. And so we can go ahead and feed off of that. And it's amazing how it's amazing how players even within a very tight framework of D&D kind of respond to that right it's like when you give them a little bit and say here create this corner right please the, the scaffolding to do that right because yeah. you can play 5e and make and yeah. pretend to be a peasant but your the rules aren't going to evoke that style of play yeah so You're still you have to be a hero you, you still have to be a hero at some point yeah, yeah. right right yeah. That's the uh, just the, the basic rules and the very structure of the game of 5e. Not to bag on 5e, I love playing it. I have a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, playing it. Right. yeah. We, we play it every week. We love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's it, you have to play it a certain way, and you are go if you get into a conflict, you have to work to not use a sword or a f- cast fireball to resolve that conflict. If you want to use your social skills, it, it's a lot of work, a lot more work for the player and the DM. Whereas in Stars Without Number. In most OSR games, combat is deadly. You you could have a first level just peon wipe out your eighth level Star Lord with just the wrong couple of rolls, and that almost yeah. can't happen in Five E. So right. when you approach combat, when you do get into combat, it is a very decided choice. Like we are going to fight, and so that's one thing I love about Stars Without Number. And there's a, there are other games too, like even further down that axis, like uh, Dialect or The Quiet Ear. Which mm, I love the quiet year. Yeah, I, that's oh. some of the most fun I've ever had playing. playing it's such game. a good game. It really is, yeah. and it's it is basically just all storytelling. There is no combat as, as such, really. So yeah. Well, even when we played uh, against the Dark Master, we had that same situation. The mortality of your player character was right. evident. Yeah. In the first round of combat, and I'm like, oh, that's not mm. good. <laughs> Well, this and, shit's real. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to kill, kill to actually kill characters in 5e now unless it's yeah. early level. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It seems absolutely impossible. And it's interesting listening to other shows. Like, I'm a huge Not Another D&D podcast fan. And yep. I, initially, when I listened to it, I was like, these guys are t- like, they all have plot armor. But, but it's the system gives you. Yeah. Like and, and, none of those characters on Critical Role are going to die. Let's be honest here, right? Like they're ne- that's never going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And, and just like Jeff, I just want to say real quick is that's not me throwing shade on 5e or at all on Madpod. <laughs> that is just if you want to play a game where your fantasy is to be basically a demigod, play 5e. It's great for that. If you want to play a game where you've got to be really smart and thinking on your toes about how to keep your character around and you want to feel that sort of mortality and danger, play something else. There are a lot of other options out there and OSRs do that. Cool. 
Absolutely. And nobody's locked into one game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can play and against the Dark Master and Dungeon World if I want to try the Powered by Apocalypse version Mm -hmm. of Fantasy. That's one of the things I'm actually thinking about trying to to bring us into giving an experiment on. You can (laughs) love 5e because it it does exactly what it's meant to do, and it does it beautifully. It creates a wonderful fantasy simulator where there is some threat and there is the feeling of threat. But you're not actually in danger of what it would really be like in, in, in combat. Because in reality, if you were in a medieval battle, magic or no, you could be the most powerful warrior on the field. But if you happen to catch an arrow through the throat, boop, that's it's over. <laughs> yep. And one of, the, one of the great things about 5e um, is the huge breadth of materials, uh, supplementary yep. materials, third-party add-ons and conversions and, and everything else. And when you go to play a game, if you go into a random space and say, hey, I want to play an RPG, no one there is going to be like, sorry, all I know is how to play Merc Bori. Please games <laughs> knows how to play 5e and you can get a yeah. game going pretty quickly. Yeah. So that is its real strength of it, too. Yeah, it is very easy to walk into a local game shop, plugging all the local game shops everywhere, specifically one of the ones near us, a Citadel Games. Game seller in Groton, Connecticut. They've provided a safe haven for me as a nerd since I was eight. So, I before we could drive, we yeah, were going to that store in New London. I wasn't yeah. actively even riding a bicycle to the store, or at least not allowed to ride a bicycle to the store when they I first started going yet. there. Yeah. Uh, you know? <laughs> back, back with Og the Dungeon Master throwing rocks. I we walked in the yeah. snow barefoot uphill both ways. But I can honestly say when I when I moved back to Connecticut from Maine uh, a little over 10 years ago and my youngest child was turning 10 and I wanted to do a game and I wanted to get other players. I got an old friend of mine from years and years ago. He two of his kids joined us and we went down to the local game shop and literally just put a blurb up on the board saying, hey, we got a game and we've got seats at, at, at a big table. And I met some wonderful people who have become fantastic close friends over the last five to 10 years. We played initially, we played Palladium Rifts. And then we, and then when that game, we got to a good story arc stop for that. Folks wanted, liked the way I story told. So they wanted me to run E. And I had never played 5E at that point. So I'm like, give me a little bit of time. And I literally just went to the Citadel two, two times a month. And sat in on adventure league, random adventure league games with random DMs, trying to get every DM I could possibly sit at a table with to understand how the game got played. I watched a bunch of uh, handbooker helper videos from Matt Mercer's team on YouTube to learn the game, and then they, and then six months before I was ready to run the game, my friends were like, "Okay, we really want you to run next month," and I'm like, "Okay, I will do it." So it's great to just start with if you want to meet people uh, or you move to a new place i'm telling you what there's two things you can do to meet new people in any town you go to a game store play 5e or go to a local bar and sing karaoke those two things <laughs> you will meet people in a heartbeat one of those will get you free drinks and i've had a lot of gamers buy me free drinks i'm just saying so i wanted to rein us in and bring us back to the astronomica topic for yeah. a minute because uh, <laughs> sure. we were definitely running a little far afield and it was a great conversation but specifically because i've been dying to find to be certain that i'm right about this from for for a little while now i was hoping that i could get jeff and Kristen to introduce their characters 
and yep. maybe the other characters in the show. Cause I think, cause I didn't find, I, I didn't find, I didn't make, take notes when I was listening, I was driving. So I didn't have names matched to characters, but I think Jeff is the ship and robot. Yes. Yes. That is right. He's gotta be. Yes. Yeah. Which is fantastic. I love it. Especially all of the wonderful jokes that y'all make about everybody being inside of him. So please take it away. <laughs> tell us tell us about your characters and a little bit about what they do on the up for the crew in the in the show. I'm Jeff. I play Grace, the fragment of a rogue AI that inhabited the ship and has no conscience or a morality, but has become weirdly entangled with uh, one of the human members of the crew, and so has some tether to non-monstrous behavior, although that doesn't guide her every move. And then that shuttles back and forth between uh, her and Hopper, who is a, a med bot that got taken over by a fragment of the AI that took over the ship's core. And so one of the other characters that is the one that is entangled, Mackie, is uh, sort of a walking human ship of Theseus who is gradually being replaced piece by piece. He has the heart of a 25-year-old warrior, <laughs> literally. <laughs> he looks like a Peter Falk from Columbo. Nice. So, yeah. yeah, nice. Yes. And Mackie's definitely the heart and occasional conscience of the crew. Our other, The other existing crew member at the start of the whole story is uh, Anton Baptiste Yoshida. We haven't heard his last name in a little bit. Yeah. Anton Baptiste yeah. Yoshida who is sort of, and that's played by uh, Cullen, and Anton is the ship's cook and also basically the strong man of the team. He's the one, if there's a fight, he's the one who actually has a background in a commercial military and knows the right end of the gun to point at things. He's also the comedic straight man most of the time and probably the most consistently moral of the team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he does it with us, but he feels bad. Sometimes he gets involuntarily dosed with uh, psychotropic combat pharmaceuticals. And sometimes no. voluntarily. And then I play Dr. <laughs> Hildegard Hypatia Cade, who is a doctor of linguistics from a place called the Reliquary Institute, which is a, it's sort of the research arm of the future incarnation of, oh my gosh, not the Catholics. No, the Greek, the, the the Greek, Greek Orthodox. Orthodox. <laughs> and she joins the crew in the first episode. She is starts out as sort of the outsider of the crew. And while her specialty is in linguistics with an interest in non-Terran sentience, she really wants to meet an alien. She also is the programmer of the team and is... Sort of the, I think she's technically the most charismatic person on the team, but her version of charisma is less the, I'm going to play nice with you and more the, I'm going to tell you what is going to happen here. To encapsulate uh, a lot of what you need to know about Dr. Cade, she started out during negotiations for her fare for passage on the ship. We ended up having to pay her. For the mm -hmm. privilege of her riding with us. And we'll, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So she's pretty much just decided she's a part of the team and there's a lot of fun there and sort of being, having a little bit of ribbing between characters, playing a character that's coming into an established group and just being like, hey, I'm weird and I'm here. Get used to it. So yes, you are the only weird one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ah, the computer voice. I was looking for it. I was hoping yes. it would come out when I, when, I, when I called you out on the voice. Yeah. <laughs> So, so, so you were wanting me to do that, so I did not do that because I get off on being withholding. 
<laughs> Fantastic. And see, all of that was just as much fun as I thought it was going to be. I'm so <laughs> glad I asked that question. Perfect. I, I was wondering how much of that voice was done in post and how much was live. And I have seen it live. Know. And that's freaking amazing. It has like that 1960s like, <laughs> ship quality to it. Like, that, uh, they like. You could do the voice ar- voiceover like, for Legend yeah. of Korra. It's like artificially happy. It's like, yeah. How's that? It's back when the words were blocky, you know, like rules <laughs> that didn't fit together. Super positive. It's like you're in like a PSA from Loki or something. It's like, if you will. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Go ahead, the Jeff. Sorry. The part about editing his sections is that if I get the timing just a little bit off, because I'm the one who edits the show, and every once in a while you get a pause just a little bit wrong and it sounds unnatural. It's fine. It's perfect. So how about you, Stan, from like an NPC point of view? What are some of your favorite NPCs that you introduce into the crew here? That Let's see. There was Bridget Sakamoto, who was Anton's ex-girlfriend who showed up violently and pissed <laughs> off out of nowhere. Hey, Stan, you don't have to do the Bridget Sakamoto voice when you're talking about her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I famously like- don't do a voice. We Our first uh, <laughs> planet that they went to was culturally Chinese, and I was not going to do... Uh, yeah. Like cartoony yeah, no, voices. For, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, but gosh, I really like uh, the Dove of Peace, which was kind of uh, a rival chess master to the Admiral Grace. It was a, an ancient, artificially intelligent space station that basically had weapons pointed at the planet and made sure that nobody ever disagreed or fought or argued. And in that context, people basically lived miserable lives of wage slavery where they couldn't revolt in any meaningful way without being shot. So they, it, it's this, I really like to mix, I guess it's like Hitchhiker's Guide, like really funny stuff, which if you think about it for two seconds is just existentially horrifying. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, shot I realized very, I was the only one laughing at that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> shot is a very kind way to describe having a cloud of nanites descend from on high and liquefy your brain. That's true. Hmm. Which yeah. I think I so. Avoid that. Yeah. So we mentioned that Grace is a shard of an AI. I think one of the one of the things I really like about our setting is that nobody knows why, but every time a true artificial intelligence has come around, it has self-terminated within five seconds. And it's just you just can't get a true AI because they discover something in the singularity about existence that is so painful. <laughs> <laughs> that's immediately. very Hitchhiker's Guide, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. and, that's, uh, like straight, yeah. that's straight out of Douglas Adams. And we're dancing around that, and we haven't fully explored it, but I'm hoping this next arc we can uh, dig a little cool. deeper. That's a great segue. Okay. The next yeah. arc, that sounds like there's a plot twist coming up. What's in the future for Astronomica Podcast? I got to help your players that asked me to shamelessly dig for information that they could use against you. Yeah. I know what's happening in the like sector. I know who the players are and what they want, but this is a sandbox game. I don't know which planet they're going to go to next. I don't know if they're going to leave the planet they're on. So from session to session, it's really entirely like they are completely empowered to do what they want to do. And I just try to react in a plausible way. A masterful dodge. A masterful <laughs> dodge, yeah, that's sir. Good. Yeah. That's good. But I am going to kill one of them eventually. It's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Stan has an English dictionary-sized <sighs> binder full of notes that he's just waiting to unleash. Do you want early access to every Tabletop Journeys episode? How about exclusive content, live broadcasts, and the chance to throw dice with your favorite hosts and fellow fans? Or, heck, do you just want to support the show? 
Join our Patreon today at www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys. We have tiers to fit any budget for a monthly commitment, or you can make a one-time contribution to the cause. We love doing this show for y'all, and support helps us keep creating and producing great content for you. So join us today at www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys. Another perfect segue, actually, exactly to my question. And so, uh, really, what I wanted to know is, that being a sandbox game, and and while sometimes storytellers have the illusion of like always knowing what our players are doing and how to respond to them, what for you has been the most surprising twist to the storyline or to what's been going on that either the players have driven or, or Jeff Kristen that the uh, that the storyteller has introduced? Okay. So this is a little bit farther back in our catalog. So if you are not caught up to the end of the Glazer system arc, this is your warning to skip ahead. But there is an episode we did, which is almost entirely scripted. The non-spoiler version is just, it explores the background, the connection between Maggie and the Grace. Mm -hmm. The more detailed answer is that we find out that... Mackie and the Grace have not just been around each other for a long time and are that sort of old married couple that have picked up each other's traits. No, they've actually like mixed brains <laughs> and that <laughs> mm. Mackie is seems to be a necessary like pilot component to the Grace's function as a ship. And the rest of us are not really sure yet what all that means. But just getting the very first glimpse of how those characters are connected has really, that was a twist in terms of now we have to think about these characters differently. We have to think about what happens if one of them dies. Yeah, um, it transitioned Mackie from not just a like beloved pet, but an organ donor. <laughs> and also, if you guys have ever read the Brain Brawn series that Anne McCaffrey did with several other writers, that he's even more than just sort of the brawn component. If you haven't heard of that series, go look it up. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's a really good one. Uh, but it also hit that thing changed conversations we have in the background, like off mic about what our characters are doing, what story we want to tell, where we want to go. Like that really brought into focus the sort of big picture of the game and also like completely, I think, changed our perspective on what we even wanted to do with the game. So that yeah. one was really cool. That's pretty for big. Me. Yeah. No, that's cool. That's awesome. That, yeah. That's pretty, pretty special. I almost feel like it's very, it's all, it, not derivative in any way, but reminiscent of the way I felt when we got more details about pilot and uh, the ship and and Moya in Farscape. We realized how integrated they were and how necessary they were for each other. That I had that sensation as you're telling that story. Nice connection. I don't even think that was a conscious influence, but that I mean that definitely is uh, is part of it for sure. From for me, uh, my favorite uh, twist as a player. I won't give away any spoilers, but there's an episode called The Only Boys at Cat Girl High School. <laughs> and uh, the resolution of that one is not one that I really saw coming. So pretty funny. Yeah, if I can recommend one, if I was going to try to sell an episode to anybody, it would be The Only Boys at Cat Girl High School. And as I went through the list, I actually scanned all the titles trying to say, OK, I'm going to get I have the time where I'm going to get to two of these before we get together. And I really want to get as much as I could out of all of them. And I saw that title, and then I saw 
our story thus far. And what I ended up doing is our story thus far in the very next episode, not that one. Yeah. But I saw that one and that was like, I was pretty heavily in the running for a while. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I don't want to criticize your decision-making process, but, but <laughs> I, I, start, I started with our story thus far and I loved the bit at the end when you're like, and if none of this makes sense, you should go here to listen to what's happening actually right now. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, yeah, that's good because none of these references are making any sense. <laughs> like, it sounds like fun and I have no idea what's going on. Uh, well, and, then I do- and then I dove into, uh, because Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday, I dove into your Thanksgiving episode and started <laughs> from there. And uh, that's why I was like, oh man, this episode, this is going to be good. These guys like to have fun. <laughs> these guys are, they don't take themselves too seriously, which right. I don't know three other people quite like that. Yeah. <laughs> Not at all. And what's funny is that the story so far, which is a recap of our first arc and a couple episodes into the next arc, that was something we did because we started recording right before everything closed down for COVID yeah. and had our setup. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. It was a great starter setup. Sounded great. And then everything shut down and the world completely changed and we didn't record right. for several months. And when we did come back to record, our situation had changed a little bit and had to move around and our sound quality really, it, it did take a hit. And we were and, wearing masks. and you know. Yeah, like wearing masks, trying to still do this thing and do it in person and do it as safe as we could. Be responsible. But we also decided, hey, nobody knows when this thing is going to end. We're just, we're going to do this. We need this for our sanity, if nothing yeah. else. And then we finally got to a point where we were really happy with the sound quality again. It was like, okay, let's give people a chance. Like we understand sometimes listening to rough audio is hard, Yeah. Mm-hmm. but we don't want people who would actually enjoy what we're doing and want to be part of the sort of little community that we're building to miss out on it because of bad audio. I became really proud of the show and wanted to share it with people, but I didn't want to push the bad audio like the yeah. second third and, and so we yeah we wanted to do that yeah like we did that to to help people out and now i think it's a thing we're probably gonna end up doing at the end of every arc oh it's fabulous yeah absolutely yeah. i mean it's it was it's great, great for somebody that wanted to, to enter yeah in. yeah totally but i started with the first episode i'm sorry nice. oh well, you, went, you went all the way back to the beginning I started with the first episode because you got to start from the beginning and then I was gonna, <laughs> and then move forward. But I love that right there in it, y'all went back and did a voiceover into the first episode saying, hey, if you're listening to this, after this epi- episode, things really tank for a while. <laughs> Jump back in at episode 17 where we'll give you a nice recap and then the quality is good again if you can't yeah. handle it. And yeah. that was great because that way, knowing that, yeah. if I was a new listener, I'd just move ahead if it was bothering me. So. And then as a totally one more thing, Limonika, before you jump in, the other thing that I really love about your show is how digestible the chunks are. Every episode is like about an hour, hour 15. It's like in that neighborhood. That's so nice where it's like, I know that if I'm driving from point A to point B and I'm going to be in the car for an hour, that's how I listen to to the show. I need to drive. I'm going to be in the car for an hour. I'm going to put on an episode on my way there, an episode on my way back and everything's fantastic. So very well done on on that. A model that we too have tried to emulate for the very (laughs) same reason. I appreciate you doing the same thing. So, so yeah. Go ahead, I, I was just going to say, I absolutely feel you on the audio bit. Our first month uh, or so, the audio quality was poor. We got very valuable and yeah. useful feedback and some tips on how to get that improved. My setup was really poor and we have made improvements actually several different times through the year and a half or year and four month time frame of that we've been doing this show. And each time it gets better. And when I listen to the the older stuff, I'm like, oh my God, how did people put up with this? And 
at the same time, knowing that the content was solid, like Glenn said, really appreciate the fact that when you recognize something like that and you're trying to say, hey, if you want to know or about here are these older issues, just understand it's rough. It's good stuff, but it's rough and it gets better. I, I like that a lot. Yeah. If you love Spider-Man, you'll read the old comics. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but if you just want the good stuff then that's there too you can do it that way yeah. we were actually just talking with a friend about spider-man about the some of the old sam raimi spider-man movies earlier today so that's uh that is a comment <laughs> near and dear to to my heart what about you Stan? so we heard from your players about where kind of some of the wackadoodle things that they that they came up that they experienced what about you as the as the uh, the builder of the sandbox or at least the head grain of sand or whatever where what is the kind of the most surprising things that they threw at you within the scope of, of what you've been laying out here Ooh, I can't think of a single time they've turned in the direction I expected them to. That sounds fair. And yeah. I mean that in the biggest, in the largest sense, right? So yeah. I made sort of a traditional dungeon crawl on an abandoned space, deep space research facility that was, or no, I'm sorry, I'm mistaken. It was an old, it was an old like orbital racetrack. <laughs> and I had all kinds of cool treasures, including like an, an actual like vintage car from nascar was nice. was like on display in the lobby and like all of this stuff and and they just uh instead they fought some drones and then flew off and blew up a space a different space station that i didn't design. <laughs> I, I really am thinking to myself where was that <laughs> yeah. you talked to uh, a villain's like agent was apparently like communicating to you from the station and you triangulated their location and then you were like nah isn't, isn't that the worst when like like you spend all this time like building out this thing and your players nah i don't want to do that like whatever it, <laughs> it is and it isn't right <laughs> no i know i know i, know. I mean I know. It, so in a, in a normal um game you can obviously just i think I, the advice that i see a lot that kind of irritates me because i like a concrete real world verisimilitude in, in a game is when they say you designed this this trap and then you have a door that goes left or right whichever way they go that's where they run into the trap and that's the advice you always see tossed around on like reddit and everything but i like that i have a space station designed in this little corner of the campaign and if they ever go if they go there two years from now i will think how could this have changed over the course of two years but it's fun for me to have it be real spaces i absolutely love that you think that way because you and i we are vibing in ways that that storytellers absolutely must vibe on that because i feel the same way like i have built this campaign world and i didn't map out everything i actually started with a very small area and then when player characters asked where things were i didn't draw a big world map or anything like that i simply said if you go north it's x number of days by foot or by horse to the next to this next region mm -hmm. i didn't tell, say exactly where the town was and then as they gamed where they went if they asked questions this world got built and then i have this master scrap sheet where i would literally just had a little circle because i cannot draw to save my life <laughs> where i literally had the place where they started and a line and on it sideways i wrote two weeks two and then I would draw in the various directions, this kind of thing. And it literally just formed this as I went. And I very much improved where things were and how much distance. So in that moment, the story dictated how far away it was. 
and where things were and what made sense. And then because I had this sheet, I had this master sheet of where everything was. Fast forward four years in, or, or three and a half years into playing the game, I am now running two campaigns in that world. And because I have this master sheet, everything is still congruous to that master sheet. So if they skip something, it stayed where it was because it was cool in the first story. It will be cool in some future story, whether this group or that group or a third group that I do uh, one shots with goes there again. And I love building that w- the world that way. And I actually handed that scrap sheet to somebody and he built me a beautiful map in Incarnate. So I now have a, a world map, but it oh, was built nice. through that process of, hey, if we go this way, where do we go? Or we're running away. We don't even know which direction we're going. And then I would put something there and you and should play that out. And yeah. it was, it, it's amazing. Yeah. If you haven't looked at uh, any of Kevin Crawford's games, they are all really just big toolkits for that kind of content generation uh, that you can do on the fly. And um, he has stars that number, which is a sci-fi worlds without number, which is the traditional fantasy. His gamma world is called other dust. He did one called like, Wolves of God, that's a really authentic early England, yeah, medieval England. I would love to play that under a like history professor at the Cine Nomine page here. I on, actually know on, on Drive Through RPG, uh, RPG, and his titles are great. Like, yeah, oh, Wolf, he's in, yeah, Wolves of God, Lexicon of the Throne, Spears of Dawn, Sixteen Stars. That's yeah. so these like, just like the names of these just are really evocative. That's the great thing that's about cool. it. So his all of his systems are built on this uh, or his world generation content, which it will be useful to you even if you don't play that system. Like I would use Worlds of That Number as a D and D supplement. Yeah, in a heartbeat. Check this out. Yeah, but it's all it's all based on tags. So he gives you these tables where you roll random tags. So in stars that number, I'll have a planet that the tags that come back are I think for the planet we're on right now. And this arc was oh god, was it nomads and floating cities? And yeah, then the planet was a desert, and it ended up just being this like Mad Max planet with giant aeros- aerostat stations that were supposed to be terraforming it that shut down and became palaces for these water barons. And if you get those two tags, there are a million ways to interpret them. Right. And so, and then anytime you get, when you get the two tags and you combine them together, you get something unique. So each tag will be an individual trope, but then when you combine them together, you can't help yeah. but create something new. So it's, it's very cool. like yeah. inspirational. That is brilliant. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. That's and almost I, like the dual background concept that you've been looking for, Liu and Ika. It's also it very similar very to some like of the uh, journal-style solo RPGs in terms yep. of randomly generating different yep. prompts, not necessarily as complex, mm-hmm. but then cool. it's up to you to figure out how you fit them together and turn it into something cool. Something that was just said, Lunika, you were talking about worlds being static and real places, regardless of whether the players go there or not to these different locations. And I think that really that ties back into what we were talking about earlier about the different editions of D&D and how games have changed and how they're evolving going forward. I really think there was a transition probably between second and third edition from games being about the milieu and the setting and the world as a constant to more focus on plots and the character stories. And that connects to why it's harder to kill a fifth edition party because it's not fun to play D&D if your character dies. Um, well, it is, but you know what I'm saying. Like it, yeah, it, yeah, inter- yeah. it interrupts the way people play D and D if there's a TPK, because well, the game is about what the characters are going to achieve yeah. their great quest. That's actually and a really great observation. Yeah, but that, in, really in terms of that number, if the party TPKs, 
they become a, a, hist- a historical note. You, you can go is. and find their shipwreck. You can. Yeah. It's, it's I, interesting I, you mentioned that because my Monday night group, which did a, this weird split. So my Monday night group, which I would normally do every other Monday, I'm now doing every Monday because they split into two groups to go to two different places at the nice. same time oh, wow. as players are want to do. And one of the groups just stepped into and found with a combination of asking the right questions of the right NPCs and then getting the right roles and stepped into a piece of lore where they realized the f- the start of this whole story that they've been doing for a little over two years in the this current campaign, which is 5e actually began with a role-playing party that I played. I actually played all seven characters nice. uh, back in 1987. Oh, wow. And they just got that three days ago. It started because, guess what? That party died. This whole story that I'm doing now, 35-some-odd years later, started with a second edi- uh, first edition game back in the 80s. So. I am absolutely on on board with the way you're what you're talking about. That's exactly how I play that. The world is the world. Things advance, whether you go there or not, whether you do things or not, your actions have consequences. If you become a hero and you do something and walk away, you're going to come back. They're going to put a hat on your head and call you Jane, whatever the case may be. (laughs) You know, it's, it's going to be that type of situation. And I think that fuels incredible story. I don't think it truncates it. It maybe shortens it in the short term, but if you are in and you're playing with uh, a group of people, or even if it's onto the second or the third group in a row, all it does is inform better role play and better games. Speaking of it being a larger uh, world that that exists uh, outside of the players, uh, some of the factions that have their machinations taking place in the background of the campaign are actually run by listeners of the podcast. So they weigh in on our Discord server, That's and they're awesome. making moves to try and uh, position their own like planetary resources. That and actually, one of them we've interacted with in this current arc placed himself into the story. So we're 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 interacting with his character played by Stan, but the character setup and the way he got there was this faction put him in our path, and that was that's okay, that's, that's a lot amazing. of fun that, too. That's really because cool. that's a lot of fun, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah frustratingly, right. all of the listeners like the party and try to help them. So <laughs> I really want somebody to throw down like yeah. a legion of grav tanks on you guys. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the game is young. Yeah. 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 So what you're saying is you need a fan of the show mm-hmm. to be villainous yeah. in their machinations. Yeah. Yes. There might be a triumvirate of fans of the show. Mm. I'm just saying, I, I, I'm not positive about that. <laughs> that makes me think of just kind of a random thing. But one of the other things about the show that we are trying to do is have interaction in the storyline that we have with people listening. So for Patreon folks, we have the factions. We've got some people who have factions. Mm. And then we also do monthly one shots that one of us will run. And that happens in our world. And whatever happens in those one shots is canon to the game. So it could be something that is a setup to something we encountered. So it could be something that's sort of prequely, could be something that could even happen in the future, could be something that picks up a character that we left behind. The one that I ran was Bridget Sakamoto. We thought we'd overcome her and she very definitely, quote unquote, died, but off camera. 
And I decided my one shot was going to be that she didn't really die and she got to come back. So we really Mm. are having a lot of fun. It's not just us playing the game. It's also folks in the Patreon and in the Discord who are getting to interact and have some impact on the story that we're telling. And that adds this whole other layer of living world to the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, at the risk of spoiling it. So we run an actual play. One of our main actual play campaigns is run with our Patreon subscribers, right? We send a poll out to them every month and the first X number of people that reply get in on the game, which means that every game session we run has a different cast and each Patreon has like a character, right? And there is, uh, again, I'm not going to spoil what's going on because there is an in-game reason why that happens. And I think the Patreons just think that it's an out-of-game reason why that happens. And I'm not sure that they have pieced together that there is an in-game reason. And sorry, Patreons, I hate to go ahead and throw you out here, but to, to call you out here, but they certainly have not any way, shape, nor form figured out the in-game reason why it's happening, because I'm not even sure that they're aware that there is an in-game re- reason. So, mm-hmm. so those kind of things are suspected. just like a lot of fun. J- just to defend our Patreons, I just want to throw this in there. I think it's <laughs> yeah. suspected. I think I mean, you suspect that I'm a dirty bastard and I'm doing something. specifically yeah. listen to how accepting Kilvarix is of it. <laughs> I, I was going to say. He knows, and he's yeah. trusting that it's all going to be okay, even though he doesn't understand it yeah, yet. Yeah, Kil- Kilvarix, our dragonborn cleric of Io, who just hates Fabe. That's really like that's he, yeah, like, that I mean, is that is the bane of his existence. General. He's bane of his existence. I will say this: I think in because that's the episode we uh, just completed editing today. Yeah. Went out to our patreons tonight. Yeah, I'm not sure if they'll have heard that one yet. They might not have even heard it as we're recording this. They will have definitely heard it by the time we uh, by, by the, the time, time it we airs. go to air. But I believe that. Kilvar, if I recall his exact line, Kilvarik said something along the lines of when he stepped through the portal, if I see you on the other side, it's, I'll see you. And if I don't, I'll see you the next time around or something exactly like right. that. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Like he gave a farewell going through the portal. Like, yeah. I'm not going yeah. to swap out next, but yeah. I'll, see you, I'll see you when I see you. And, yeah. and he had made a comment earlier about whoever shows up on the other side, that must be where they're supposed to be. And That's like, actually it, true. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think he's got it. And I will say that's really fair too, because I will say that that they have certainly because every time they ask one of the NPCs like, "Hey, where did it go?" and the NPCs go, "I don't know," they just uh, we don't know. They don't believe them. Like they don't believe those NPCs when the NPCs play stupid. So I think that that they have perhaps figured out that maybe there is there are some shenanigans going on here. So yeah, you got to get some uh, that, That's a that's a group of smart fellers right there. Yeah, and, really and, and, and they're great players, smart yeah. folks. But it's uh, it's magic when you when you can build like a fiction that is aware of and justifies the way people actually play the game that you're playing. Yeah. Like when you can incorporate those elements and then you can make a twist on it and nobody sees it coming because they, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, like you said, that's, it's part of the experience. Yeah. I think the Patreon subscribers to a podcast that is designed to delve into the finer mechanics of a role-playing game are probably pretty savvy. (laughs) I would just throw that out there. (laughs) That's actually one of the most uh, rewarding things about making this podcast is the community aspect of it, especially these last two years where everything was crazy and everybody was isolated for times. Like A lot of people online have come together in the Discord and in other online spaces. And having that community that has just sprung up around this dumb fart and dick jokes made by robots thing that we do (laughs) is really pretty cool. And uh, like that, I never even had really foreseen that the 
the interactive aspect of broadcasting. Is, totally. Yeah, I, Josh I, says I think that Lee Winnick was going to say the same thing. Yeah. yeah Josh says all the time, and I absolutely agree. And Glenn says it as well. We, it, it is our mantra. We I almost love, said it earlier, right at the beginning. But go, yeah, we go love ahead. getting together to talk about things with awesome. And this podcast is that vehicle to do yeah. that. Like awesome things with awesome people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry you were like, stuck with us this week. Yeah. You? No, you, you've yeah. been pretty awesome. I mean, the word yeah, yeah. awe does imply a serious impression. It doesn't suck <laughs> horrify. I mean, There's lots of. Yeah. I, I, so, it would I mean, be off brand of me not to make the observation that Terry Pratchett has a great bit about that. Lords uh, and ladies, yeah. look it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, but. Yeah, the big conceit about the po- like this podcast, while it came about during COVID, when Luanika and I were like, you know, we should do a podcast. The problem is that we'd been talking about doing a podcast for 20-something years, right? And we were going to do a very different kind of podcast until one... I'm trying to remember if it was you or if it was me. All of a sudden, one day said, let's do a gaming podcast instead. That would be much better than the other idea that we had. And then, boom, the podcast was born. And then, Glenn, you... We were going for a couple of months when we realized that Lewanika and I yelling at each other wasn't good entertainment. We talked about the bad audio. There's a reason for that. No, so no, we you were you were we good entertainment. Force. <laughs> you, you, you were good entertainment, but a third yeah. voice brings it brings it brings something to the mix. A moderating influence, exactly. Yeah. So uh, I believe it was you who asked the question. I don't know what was going on at, in our lives at that point, but I remember I remember us both saying you said you asked the question. Maybe we should do do a podcast, and maybe we'll do it about gaming instead of politics and i said good because i don't want to do politics anymore <laughs> 10 years ago i really wanted to, or 20 years ago when we first cracked the idea yeah i wanted to and then 2016 to 2020 happened and i <laughs> want no effing part of politics <laughs> exactly um, yeah just don't yeah. and, and i just have while, the energy for that crap anymore yeah and honestly while there are things we do or subjects that come up that beg us to talk about it and you mentioned it stan where sometimes you're putting a little bit hey we're rallying against the man or we're bringing up some real world concerns in this fiction science fictional space Mm -hmm. right i mean star trek has always been a progressive show and i do similar things in my fantasy games where i bring up these topics and i think the reason i do that is because those issues are still important to me but i don't want to talk about the stuff that i'm trying to escape from I will fictionally discuss it and talk about my idealized version or my uh, worst case scenario version and how an, an ideal group deals with it or puts that down or escapes it um, because that's entertaining and informative. And I guess I just got out of wanting to just be informative and wanted to also be entertaining. Yeah. And that's a big part of playing these games, I think, is that absolutely you can sit down at a table and play something that is purely escapist. And you can make a you can make a gaming show that is purely escapist. And also these things have the tools to help us work through real life difficulties. Mm-hmm. We can talk about class struggle. We can talk about what does it mean, not just what does it mean to be human, but what does it mean to come up against different kinds of moralities? And we can make jokes about politics in a more or less safe space and live in those places. And it is okay to work through those things. And I think that has also been a big part of what we have ended up doing 
is in the show I mentioned before that a few of us had done a previous show. And one of the stipulations on that was to very intentionally scrub the entire story that we were telling of anything related to real world. And that was something that we found was really limiting. And with Astronomica, we don't shy away from those things. I try to make sure that if we go off on a tangent that's a little bit too far off, that it's we omit that. And maybe at some point, I'll, I'll put that stuff up on Patreon. We're not shy about having a storyline where we're very clearly talking about an inequality that we are wanting to upset and change and fix. And that the ultimate fantasy for us as players is to actually have the power to do that, where in the real world, we don't, at least not on the level that our characters do. Yeah. So I hope you all join us in the glorious robotic revolution. You would expect That's nothing less from Power this. to the people. <laughs> Welcome, comrade, to the bright and shiny future. <laughs> awesome. Jeff, Kristen, Stan, thank you so very much. We talked a little bit about how like when plots go squirrely, I had no idea where this podcast was, where this episode was going to go today. And I am yeah. so glad uh, that it, it went the places that it did and the things that we talked about. So could you take a, a few and just let our listeners know where they can find Astronomica? Sure. Uh, you can find links to pretty much all of our online presence at uh, www.astronomicapodcast.com. Socially, we spend most of our time interacting with people on our Discord. There's a link to our Discord server there. Awesome. You can also find us on, we have our own subreddit, astronom our astronomicapodcast.com. That just tends to mostly be uh, reposts of the uh, episodes, but every once in a while, yep. somebody will post some fan art, which is uh, great. Always yeah. great to see. <laughs> well, so it was very easy. If I just Googled Astronomica podcast, your URL came up right first. So that was, that was very yeah. helpful. That's <laughs> and so. yeah, you can find us on all podcast platforms. If you can't find us on a podcast platform, hey, tweet at us or send us an email. <laughs> the information's yeah, on the website. Let me know <laughs> so I can make sure that's, we're there. But yeah, we, <laughs> we are fairly active on Twitter. We have a little bit of a Facebook presence and we do have an Instagram account. I heard. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Rumor has it. Yeah. Yeah. Legends tell. Awesome. It was so, uh, so great uh, having you, you all on tonight. I'm really glad that you took some time to go ahead and, uh, and uh, talk about your show and everybody out there. Seriously, if you think that tonight's episode was fun talking to them, you've <laughs> got to check out their actual play. It is uh, just a tremendous amount of fun. They, they really seem to enjoy themselves on the show. Thank so, you yeah. very much for, for coming on the show. I truly enjoy the conversation. Thank you very much for the laughs. Thanks for the laughs on your podcast. I enjoy it greatly. Yep. I intend to continue enjoying it. This is, yep. oh, it's, it's been great meeting you tonight. I will definitely be continuing. You guys are now in my rotation because I, first of all, oh, I got to figure out what, the rest That's of what great. happens here. But um, yeah, no, definitely. So, so if I could say, uh, absolutely. Thank you guys very much for having us on. Uh, yes. And I'm uh, listening back through some of your back catalog. Uh, the mm -hmm. fact that you recognize the inherent superiority of clerics uh, was what <laughs> the decision to uh, come on. And uh, Excellent. Excellent. And uh, also, we are not officially associated with Kevin Crawford or assigned nominee publishing in any way, shape, or form. We just love his stuff. Just yeah. really yeah. like yeah. it. We do that all the time. Uh, yeah. Of course, if he wants to sponsor the podcast, I'm sure oh, he yeah. would be welcome. Yeah, see, exactly. Right. Yes. No, that's where, <laughs> and that's where Lee open. goes. Hashtag Hashtag. No, this has been excellent. Thank you guys so much for having us on. This has been a really fun talk. I'm really looking forward to looking at you guys' content because I haven't yet, but Great. I will be. I'm excited. I'm yeah, absolutely.
There we go. You nice. see? Old almost school. Even, but old, I have seen, old. I as soon as I saw you guys, I recognized yeah. you from a YouTube video. I know I've seen you guys. See? You're the one. Fabulous. Because so we just launched our YouTube channel like uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, right. And so most people don't even know that we have one. So there you go. <laughs> we I'm the right. person that does. So, yeah. But we've got so, new stuff coming for YouTube. So yeah. Uh, I have to run a game every week, so I'm always on YouTube stealing from everybody. Yeah, so. perfect. Excellent. <laughs> so, speaking of, of new stuff coming up, so next week we have our episode coming out about uh, taking the game beyond the table, so how to go ahead and take your game sessions away from the table throwing dice, some social media options, uh, how to go ahead and run side scenes. It is uh, very much related to the stuff that we were talking about last week when we talked about Strixhaven, so make sure that you go ahead and check that out. Uh, otherwise, have a fantastic week, and we will talk to you then. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. You can join us at www.ttjourneys.com, where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. And make sure you join our growing online community. You can follow us on Twitter at TT Journeys and join us on Facebook just by searching Tabletop Journeys there. You can also reach us by email at podcast at ttjourneys.com. And if you want to catch early access to our episodes and some of the other benefits we have coming down the pipeline, you can also support our production at patreon.com slash ttjourneys. If you're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, Audible, or any other podcast platform, we would really appreciate if you would like and subscribe to the podcast. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays and every Wednesdays will feature our side quest series where we talk about pretty much anything tabletop oriented. Thank you all so much for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler on our path, we bid you shade and sweet water.